All the games I used to play in my younger wilder days. The game of clubs and tees it never crossed my mind. Welcome in an uh, episode of the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. As always, I'm Andrew Putters, and this this week got a special guest host. You know him as the model maniac from the Rust Belt of the United States of America, uh, teleporting in from South Africa, Byron. Byron, newest member of Rotoballer.com. Byron, how you doing, babe? Oh, I'm doing beautifully, buddy. I'm I'm loving life, loving being part of the golf scene, you know, riding some good momentum, having got some good vibes on my side. Finally got to bust out the the cash t-shirt for the first, the second time this year, both for Cam Smith. So lots of lots of fun stuff going on. Lots of fun stuff. Absolutely. And it's finally great to meet you. Uh, I saw this, 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 I saw your, um, your, some of your model stuff you've been putting out on, on Twitter a few weeks back. And then the next thing I know you, you're, you know, you're been added on the rollerballer team. And, and, uh, I was like, man, uh, let's, uh, I'm excited. We got we're, our, you know, the site's growing, uh, our, our little, our little golf community is growing, uh, within, and, and I think we're putting out some good stuff. So, you know, um, rollerballer.com has, uh, been with us since the beginning of this show. Um, we go there and uh, use the promo code maniac to sign up for the PJ premium. Uh, what, what's the article that you write? What's it pertain? It's called breaking 100 with a dollar sign. And it's, it's pretty much taking your hundred bucks or whatever amount you want to attribute to that hundred dollar value and how you break it down into outrights, first round leaders, and a few placing bets um, of 20 top 20 bets or top 40 bets. And then I, have like one random fun bet that I do at the end called a farewell fiver. Um, kind of just walking you through how I go about picking guys, how the model kind of kicks things out that you might not be aware of and um, trying to share some betting tips and tricks that some people might not necessarily be familiar with if you're not doing it on a daily basis or a weekly basis. So just kind of all in one, all inclusive kind of betting 101 type article. So. I got you. So, yeah, yeah. So, kind of like a, a would you say like a roll roller, roll roll low roller style of uh, you know being able to invest a little bit of money and, and have a good sweat coming down the stretch, right? Yeah, it's an article that's going to keep your wife happy. I would say. Um, <laughs> you know? I like. I yeah. like that. I like that a lot. Number uh, one priority. That's exactly right. So, so after also you know adding the model maniac to uh, to the rollerball team, happy as can be about that. Um, we got tons of content over there, guys. We got we do course breakdown, uh, hor- um, uh, horse for the course. We've got uh, Joe puts out a core four article, who um, you know Spencer, of course, the Vegas report, and um, and of course the showdown models he he produces are second to none. So, uh, and then we we've got the new uh, video stuff and and uh, coming along with Owen and Matt, and uh, yeah, we're excited. Uh, we got a lot of exciting things on the forefront with rotoballer.com, so thank you for everything you do. Like I said, use the promo code MANIAC when signing up for the PGA Premium to uh, to get a little bit of discount up there. Now, um, last week, um, we uh, had a pretty interesting golf tournament. Um, we knew it was going to be a little rough uh, from the weather standpoint. I didn't know if I was expecting them to uh, not be with this, done with the first round until like four o'clock on Saturday. Um, I, I, it was crazy. Uh, obviously a huge advantage if you went out early on Thursday. Um, 
what, what were your thoughts on the overall? I know I know you're happy at the end because Cam Smith cash, but uh, what were your thoughts on the on on the uh, on the product this weekend? I mean, it was it definitely threw my whole life out of balance because just watching golf on a, on a Monday didn't quite make sense to me. Um, I thought they did as good as they could with with what happened. You know, you can't really sometimes take it take control of external circumstances like that amount of rain. Um, I felt like the players were, for the most part, accepting of the situation they had. It it provided all sorts of different aspects of how that course could play. And I think it played like three different ways over the space of a a four-round tournament. Um, I felt like, you know, towards the end of the the tournament, as Sunday rolled by, a lot of bigger names started making their way up to the top. And we had Anaban just absolutely playing possessed golf it was so fun to watch him play so far out of his comfort zone you know for so much money as well I think what he finished second and got two million bucks so lots of uh lots of cool narratives along the way and you know obviously with Cam winning it it, he did it in like spectacular fashion that was one of the craziest rounds of golf I've ever seen anyone play you know in contention at least with with a lot on the line he just pretended like nothing it was just another Australian Sunday afternoon round of golf yeah um uh, it was very interesting watching on Monday I will say this this is the most golf I've watched of any tournament uh uh, probably since the Masters last year I watched a lot on Saturday I watched a lot of it on Sunday and I watched a lot of it on Monday um I, I I was I felt like I was making predictions in my brain, like, okay, the cut's going to be six over. Uh, leader's going to be uh, three under after two rounds. And then I was like, uh, now the cut might be even because the course was playing so easy. And and uh, I, I honestly, I, I, deep down, I really liked uh, the conditions when they came out Saturday. Uh, uh, I guess it was Saturday morning when it was really windy. In the Oh, yeah. It was oh, a loss. I loved yeah. watching that. <laughs> uh, um you know, and, and, you know, and especially uh, if you're sweating down matchups on this golf course coming in 16, you could have a four shot lead and get beat in a matchup because you got Eagle hole. You can make anywhere from a two to an eight on 17 and uh, really par to an eight on, you know, it's like people either make pars, bogeys and double bogeys on 18. That's it. And yeah. so yeah. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I personally have a newfound respect actually for TPC because I feel like I'm getting to know it as as well as or, uh, uh, you know, kind of like Augusta now is from a viewership because we get to see so much of it and they have such memorable holes. Still don't understand how they don't have a live cam on 16, 17, like all the time. I could just watch those two holes the entire day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ho- and also horrible luck on the Paul Casey thing. I mean, come on. Oh, man. You know, like after watching Spieth hit it into the bushes on – Friday and Thursday, all the time, getting like casual water drop like three million club lengths away so you can have a shot in. And then going from touching your ball every other shot early on to Paul Casey hitting it in a pitch mark, like not a divot, a freaking pitch mark, man. Like it's it's like one of those carnival games that is un- unwinnable that he managed to just somehow win and essentially lose the tournament at the same time in a way. Uh, yeah. It's insanely bad luck. Yeah, and if you think about it, like it's another thing. If cameras weren't around, we would have thought it was, he was in his own pitch mark. Yeah, 
I mean, exactly. if, we'd, if you'd have been playing in a tournament where there's nobody witnessing it, you would have thought that was your own pitch mark and it rolled Absolutely. out in there. So I, I have a huge issue with cameras uh, being influenced in any kind of golf because it's not normal. Uh, so anyway, great tournament. Cam Smith looked like a man, looked like a man was going to shoot in the fifties on the front nine. Then it looked like he was going to lose, not going to have it, not even going to be in the, in the top five. And then all of a sudden there he comes back and dude, man, when he's, he's, he's really <laughs> a spectacular putter of the ball. Uh, it's, it's wild. So if he can just, you think about it, if he can just got like zero stroke, if he can break even on those strokes gain off the tee, he's a threat in every yeah. turn. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. There's just certain holes, you know, that he's just got a, a cobweb or a, a boogeyman on 18 essentially, or anywhere that there's a double miss at his whole driver swing just, you know, seizes up. If you miss it right, you miss it left, wherever you go, it's just going to be a, a quacker. <laughs> you there know? You go. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to, what to tell you about that. It seems like it's part of his DNA. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, great tournament. Uh, I, I have to, I'm kind of proud of myself that I was doing some research and came across, you know, I, I think I ended up posting something about a live uh, ad of Hatton over, over uh, Will, Will's Al Taurus and you know, on the outside, it looks really, really dumb. But I started looking at his stat line for the week. Zaltoris was like two strokes gained on putting. I knew that wasn't going to last. And uh, and Hatton's a grinder. And I was like, this this is like one of the easiest things I've ever seen in my life. And so I was real proud of myself of spotting that and pulling that out, calling that shot. So, uh, man, it, it was fun watching it, though. Like I said, the course familiarity of the tournament is, is great. Um, uh, to me, it's you know it's right up there with the Masters on familiarity every year, year in year out, and don't, you don't have a lot of yeah. golf tournaments mm -hmm. that are, uh, you know, that are on the forefront. I mean, I, there's a, you know, I started watching at seven forty five every day, every morning. So, yeah. uh, it was a, it was a good fun tournament. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on this week, Bass Bar Championship. Uh, this is usually like a, a a pretty good field, a decent field anyway. Been around yeah. since uh, two thousand. Uh, uh, it's actually had two cancellations. Uh, it's had several different names. Had two cancellations. It actually was canceled for September 11th. It was in that, and then also uh, the obvious 2020 uh, COVID-19. Uh, if you look at past winners here at the Valspar Championship, um, you're going to see a lot of, for the most part, there's always going to be, uh, you know, some the exception to every rule but you see a lot of very very good ball strikers win this tournament over time you're gonna see ball strikers in contention in this tournament uh very much like actually last week at, at the tbc um yeah. this this tournament's played in pearl harbor florida at the innisbrook resort copperhead course uh 7340 yards par 71 uh decently fast a little faster than average uh, greens on a 12 on the stint meter Pretty much have um, Bermuda with some ryegrass throughout the whole course and a little bit of Poana on the greens. Um, uh, it was the course was designed 1971 by Larry Pick Pick Packard and has never been, uh, never had a redesign. Um, so uh, I don't know if you know anything about this course or if you want to touch on anything about that. The only thing I will say is that I've I, I noticed on this term a lot. Um, Bermuda 
putters have a huge advantage on on this green if you're pulling up any models absolutely and you know i'm obviously a big big fan of the models so i you know switched out i think last week i had just putting in general because nobody seemed to know what the hell the greens were that they were putting on <laughs> um but this week bermuda absolutely all for it um and there's some obvious guys that stick out you know when you're looking at the bermuda putting so It'll be interesting to see how they do, especially um, with the recent form a few of them have coming into this week. Yeah, so, you know, um, I don't know. what What's the style of green you grew up on? Was it was it a Bermuda green? If I'm being 100% honest with you, I think it was bent. Bent? Okay, I didn't bent know. Greens, but also, I, I had to look this up just recently because I don't know. <laughs> you know, yeah. we just putted on them, right? Just I didn't really care what grass it was. Like, all right, we show up a golf course, you go. Um, but definitely on the coast, I think you get to the grainier greens, which probably were a bit more Bermuda-y um, than, than what we had yeah. in the high felt. So. Yeah, growing up growing up for us in Tennessee is exclusively bent. And in the last 20 years, probably, I feel like there's been a huge move to the Bermuda just for the, the consistency year-round year that they can have on it uh, with the heat. And, um, you know, cause nothing will get a superintendent fired fa faster than losing a green. So if you keep, when it's hot, you know, that's when the biggest risk is. So, uh, and I feel like Bermuda is kind of an equalizer on the putting green. I mean, if you look at the past champions at this tournament, um, let me pull it right back up, pull a look at past champions. If somebody at Paul Casey's won here twice, not necessarily known for being a great putter, uh, your man, Charles Swartzel, um, the countryman have won here in 16, uh, obviously not known for a great putter. Um, of course, Jordan Spieth, is that the year that he hold it out from the bunker and did the high five and all that through the rake, I think, 2015? I feel like it is, but I don't know for sure. John Sinden, not known for being a great putter. Um, you know, you can go on down, but, you know, uh, it's mainly ball striker year in, year out is going to be competing on this course. So I feel like Bermuda is an equalizer. Yeah, no, I, I don't have much more to say about that than gotcha. what you just mentioned on the Bermuda side, at least. Gotcha. So let's get into the DraftKings slate a little bit here. Um, uh, I'll just start off at the top, man. Dustin Johnson finished with a 63 at the TPC. He's uh, He's got my attention now. Uh, Xander Shoffley, uh, Colin Morkawa, Victor Hovland, JT. JT seems to be falling on, firing on all cylinders now, possibly. Uh, if we can excuse maybe a few uh, mishaps, big numbers. What um, what's your thoughts there on those five guys? Or uh, would you would you green light any of them or or yeah, red light any I, of them? I I have the three. I have Colin Victor and JT as my like three. The three I'd pick over the five, and then I would list those three as Colin, JT, and Victor. I'm all I'm all in on Colin. I feel like this course is like tailor made for him accuracy off the tee just he's he he's got a very similar blueprint to jt and victor with the ball striking side of things they both all three of those guys are probably on a day the best iron player the tour has depending mm -hmm. on how they're firing and they both all good off the tee but colin is just the most accurate and i think that's going to be a slight difference maker for me um you know jt obviously can chip lights out um struggles with the putter victor good with the putter sometimes struggles with the chipping i feel colin fits just right in between there where 
doesn't necessarily have really bad chipping days, but the putter is obviously it's either the best in the field too, or the worst, you know, like, yeah. I agree. And, you know, it is a, is a touch concern for me, Colin and Xander, neither one have ever teed it up here. Um, I agree uh, with the, with your take. Uh, and I actually thought that Justin JT had better finishes uh, in the vast part than he's had. Um, um, I, I agree. Uh, Colin is just, I wonder, you know, just got a bad draw at the TPC, right? Is that what we're thinking? Yeah, and I, I watched him play over in Abu Dhabi, and when the wind blows, it's not. He he got so lucky in that um, the, the British Open mm -hmm. that it wasn't windy. Yeah. I don't think he I don't think he's a wind guy. I, I don't think he can deal with it. He's too precise. He's too you know like dialed in with the numbers that I don't think he's got that that raw. Yeah, you know, he's he don't have that. He's like yeah ball striking. You know? You know, so, yeah, you're right. You know, he's dialed in. You know, he's trying to hit it 163 yards to the number. And, you know, you got some guys are like, man, if I, if I hit this, you know, half as high, I can hit it just as far with one more club. And that just might just yeah. blow his brain up. So, I, yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, no win. We're looking at Colin Montgomery here. I agree with that. I like that. I, I do like I do like Vic Hovland on this course. He's been in contention, like, just, like, right there oh. last two weeks, man. I easily could have won both of them. Yeah, Absolutely. It was it was so fun, he, and the thing is, he just seems to come from behind. He's never out. Like he's not a bad. If you want to s save some outright cash for like a little later in the weekend, and Victor's like made the cut barely, he's gonna be flying up the leaderboard all the time. Yeah. And you know, the only reason I got him third is because of like an ownership. It looks like he's gonna be, you know, like super high owned out of those three guys. But you know, there's really not a lot that distinguishes them other than you know the off the tee stuff I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on down to the nine, nine K. Um, this is probably the, I mean, has a chance of being the highest owned guy in the field. Uh, Louis O. Then you got T Hatton, Lowry, Burns, uh, Mark it down. Paul Casey withdrew this morning. Brooks Kepka, answer, co-crack Fleetwood Fitzpatrick. A lot of win equity here in this, in this range. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to see some – if people choose to bypass the top range, you can see uh, some high percentage owned guys. Probably going to – actually, they're, all their ownership is going to jump up quite a bit so with, the, with, the, um, with the withdrawal of um, Casey, I see. So, um, crazy enough, the guy that actually ranks the highest in this range for me is even ahead of Paul Casey with Sean – or Shane Lowry in my model. And uh, I'm not a Shane Lowry fan. Uh, <laughs> He's he's also predicted to be a little you know seventeen eighteen percent owned now. Yeah, no, I mean this this range to me is just a disaster. It's just you just see like on my spreadsheet I've got these bright red little boxes for ownership on all these guys. It just I think everyone's going to be skipping up on the on the top there and just I mean Louis is an interesting play because you know he's got great history or whatever and but I saw him on the eighteenth tee box last monday yesterday and he was like <laughs> doing the doing the neck thing you know after shooting plus four or whatever he shot it's he's always a risk factor right with the the neck it's a it's a thing and at 20 percent, i'm it's like wow that's risky and i can see how it makes sense but yeah also, I, I mean, he's just. I've got I've got zero interest in Louis who stays at nine nine hundred when he's going to be twenty percent owned. Just to be honest with yeah. you, zero percent. I totally agree with you on that, and I I love Shane Lowry as well. But also, if he's going to be owned to the moon, 
I'm going to skip on him. The, the only person I'm happy like eating a lot of ownership on is Sam Burns. And that's just because I, I had him underneath those three guys I mentioned at the top. He's like yeah. the fourth guy that I have. So I really like him. Great course history, obviously. Bermuda putting, he can light it up. Right? Yeah, and defending champion as well. The only yeah. thing that can really concerns me about Sam is, you know, and this is just uh, – this is – I always look for reasons not to play people, right? So this is why I sure. say this. You know, you look at his graph of how he's uh, – of his, uh, his statistics, and, and over the last – I have two different graphs, a 24-round and a 50-round. And, and, and the 24-round is right up here, and it's starting to creep back down. And that's probably because of how poorly he hit it in his last two rounds in the TPC. Uh, I, I, I felt like he played really well the round one-and-a-half through two-and-a-half, if that makes sense, yeah. of the TPC. <laughs> and it was the other way those last 27 holes. Um, so that would be the only concern I have with that. My favorite player in this range is yeah, that I've been high on the last three weeks, and I think he's a bulldog, and he's had a chance of backdooring the last two tournaments to Terrell Hatton. Um, he is going to be wildly underowned to his uh, value, I believe, against this this range, and uh, I'm, I'm that's that's my dude this this uh, this week. I love him. He's. Over the last 24 rounds, he's leading the field in putting, man. So he's like, he's vibing in that department. It's going to need, you know, keep the putter cooking. Under-owned, he's a good long iron player. You know, he's, he does well in, in those Dubai courses because I think you don't hit a lot of wedges around there. It's seven irons up. I really like that about him. Personally, I've lost a lot of money betting on Terrell in the past. So I, I don't like to bet on him, but at a, in a DFS world, you know, under 10% ownership, I think he's definitely got, if he can keep his brain in his head, I think he'll yeah. be okay. I still show Fitzpatrick kind of peaking, uh, but I also see that he possibly is going to be 14 to 8%, 18% owned as well. And I've got no, no, no love about that either. Yeah. He would be the, you know, the next guy outside of Turtle after Sam as well that I would go to. Um, but there's no one else in this range that everyone that's under owned is rightfully towards Brooks redemption until the masters or something, but yeah, just, he just doesn't seem to be taking it seriously right now. Like life's a big old, I don't know. That's just my opinion, obviously, but we all know that he's a major guy. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, Let's see here. Uh, moving on down to the 8K range, um, ton of guys to talk about, or ton of, ton of guys listed. Jason Day, Watson, Norin, Varner, Woodland, Keegan Bradley, uh, Webb Simpson, K Kisner, Knox, Tringale. Oh, that's it right there. So my 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 top guy in this range because I'm never I'm a never Keegan guy. So my top guy in this range. Uh, Actually, he's Russell Knox. I loved him last week. He's a member at TPC. You all need to highlight that on your thing. He's a, yeah. he's a, he's a huge, he's, he's a huge value guy at TPC every year. But my, <clears throat> crazy enough, Kisner's still not popping at any model I build. I just, and like he always sneaks in there and finishes top five when I never expect it. He's a, he's a pretty good fit for this course of the Valspar, but he's still 105th in my range in this field. It's just mind blowing to me. Um, 
I don't, I, a lot of people, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about everybody loving Alex Norton. I could never fall in love with the guy personally. Um, and, um, I don't think there's much win equity with Harold Varner. So, and he, he actually scores pretty well in my model. So, uh, what do you think about the AK range? No, I, I agree on the, on the Keegan, you know, like, yeah, his putter is a debilitating part of his game. It's not just a bad part. It's like really bad. And it's so sad because he's so good with the rest of his game. But, you know, I think after one enlightening performance on primetime TV yesterday, a lot of people can be running to him and, I mean, I'm okay letting everyone run by me. I don't necessarily <laughs> care too much for Keegan. I'll just take a stroll down to Cameron Tringali. I really, I like him a lot. He's very risky, but in his last nine starts, he's made four top twenties and five miscuts. Yeah. So it's, it's boom or bust for him. I feel like this course suits his game very nicely. He's very good around the greens. He's very good with his putter, great iron player. It's off the tee that's obviously the biggest issue for the man who's just has a meltdown and can't seem to figure out the driver when it happens. But then he comes back the following week and finishes T fourth or whatever. So whatever his deal is, hopefully it, it's on the good side for us coming into this week. I'm a big fan of Russell Knox as well. Obviously, great, great ball striking numbers from Russell. Um, and then Kisner as well. I mean, he's a streaky guy. You gotta you gotta like strike when the iron's hot with Kiz, otherwise. He's, he's never going to pop for you in the model. Like you said, it's his short game. is so streaky and so momentum based that I think if you want to ride him at 8,200 bucks, you know, he's not, not very popular right now. I don't see a problem with that at all, at all. Um, and then yep. I'd probably, I agree with you on, on Naren as well. I mean, he's going to be super owned and I have a feeling that this course doesn't necessarily fit like his long irons as well as, I think he's a wedge guy. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's just my opinion on him. So yeah. Um, Tringali is my guy though. In this Tringali range. at 8k. I, I've never been much of a Tringali guy, I guess, cause I don't follow him enough. I don't really uh, know his game that well. Um, but you're right. I mean, he's, he's definitely going to be the lowest owned person in the 8,000 range. It ain't even going to be close. Yeah, uh, he's third in this field bogey avoidance as well. And, and crushes par fives too. So it's like, he does a lot of the good stuff that we're looking for at this course. Yeah. I don't know. It's just I like, it's risky I like, though. I like it though. I we're we're big on uh you know trying to be uh you know a chameleon like uh plays but that's, that's how you really uh you do well in the GPP world, you know. So 7k range always too many players to name off, so we just kind of go through and pick out highlight a few that we like. Uh somebody that's popping my range that is so inconsistent it hurts uh Johnny Vegas, but he played great last week and he's a streaky guy as well. Uh he gets going good, man. Uh makes a ton of birdies uh probably uh his good rounds are as top as anywhere top class on tour really hits the driver a long ways and very straight puts it well just everything in between is very inconsistent bogey avoidance so um number one guy on my model bogey avoidance uh mito Pereira, um and he's about two to one on top 40 so uh on FanDuel, that's that's a pretty good value there love that guy if you're looking something like that um uh, moving, you know, that's that. Nobody else really I want to throw out a uh, namesake. Uh, I don't hate Nick Taylor. Uh, Lanto Griffin also pops off. Uh, he's going to go. There ain't nobody even talks about him ever. So those are my three guys I'm kind of looking at. And I, 
we always talk about Scott Stallings. He might be a little overpriced, uh, but uh, man, he had a he had a chance to shoot sixty uh, in that third round at TPC. Uh, and I've played golf a lot of golf with him, and I've seen that look in his eye whenever. Let I me mean, tell you about Scott Stallings. Yeah, I, know talk about I talk a lot about him on this show just because he's from my hometown. But when he is hot, he one puts every green. And his not necessarily his accuracy, but his iron yardage is so dialed in, it's the exact distance it needs to be. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And then it might don't matter if he's hitting three iron or hitting uh, wedge, he hits it the, the number it needs to hit, and it's like he'll hit it like ten feet, fourteen straight holes. And that's what he did. Uh, that's what he did at the TBC in round two. And I think he, what he shot seven or eight under. Uh, I think it was so. But. Uh, I don't, he's not necessarily popping in my mind, but if he if he can uh, get, keep those irons, you know, like that, because um, he makes a ton of birdies, you know, that's good for DFS. So yeah, he, yeah. he's kind of a wild card, but I like Mito and uh, Nick Taylor and uh, Lanto Griffin in the 7K range. I The first thing I thought of when you were speaking about Scott Stallings was that Bermuda Sunday round where it was like, howling with wind and he was on the other nine had just like somehow snuck into the cut and then didn't he shoot like 62 in those howling winds when guys were just trying to break 70 um on sunday at the bermuda i just yeah, I think you know that, that pretty much third place or something right yeah he just out of nowhere just could like did exactly what you said just birdie after birdie after birdie wouldn't stop but i don't have much else about scott stallings let me get to my favorite guy probably to play this week is Patton Kaziah. I had him last week for a top 40 and he finished T22. He took, he made a, he hit a shank on 16, made a, a double somehow after hitting a shank into the water, almost hit it onto the tree Island there goes and pars 18 and then birdies one and then Eagles two plays those four holes, one under par. We're good to go. I mean, he's irons are, peaking right now as well he's in seventh in the last 24 rounds for me and he putts really well on bermuda he's one of the better putters on bermuda and he's a really good putter in general so i like him i like emiliano grillo as well he had a massive blow up the wind blew his game out of out of business and then i have to also mention christian bezaid i think his game suits this course really nicely as well he's a really accurate driver of the ball and his short game is between putting and around the green he's he's like louis you know both those two staffers are just insanely good in the short game department but bizarre no, it's 7900 bucks and under 10 percent owned i think he's a really safe play he's not going to necessarily win you a lot of tournaments but he's also gonna most likely i've got a top 20 bet on him so i, I feel comfortable that he's going to do well on a course like this so, uh, <clears throat> 6K range, uh, moving on down, it's really, really uh, not much to talk about down here this week. Uh, not anybody we can hang our hat on. Um, I'm trying to even find somebody I can even green light, to be honest with you. Uh, Lee Hodges had a pretty good week last week, but, I mean, I'm never going to put him in there. Um I see uh, Brian Stewart's been peaking, but and he you know he plays par fives pretty well. Hits it long. He'll probably be a half percent on. That's a GPP number you put in. Troy Merritt 
I've seen tournaments like this. He plays pretty well. He ranks 50th my model. So, but other than that, I don't, I don't really see anybody in the six K range. I'm even interested in. So, um, I'm gonna try to get everything I can in at seven thousand above. You hear me? <laughs> that, that makes complete sense. I totally agree. Um, I, I seem to have a few guys that somehow managed to wiggle their way towards the the twenty bubble on my model in the six K range, and that's. Pat Perez has been striking his irons fantastically. He's got awesome course history. Yeah, he's really sharp around the greens. $6,900. Then Matthew Neesmith as well. Really good approach player. Good course history yeah, as well. And then Vaughn Taylor is 12% owned in the 6K range. At least what that's showing me here. And it makes a lot of sense because he's been super consistent with his, um, his driving as well. And the course history... For Vaughn Taylor is it's got the fifth best history on my model, yeah. So he's he's another one to look at. And then I want to also mention Andrew Putnam and Kramer Hickok. Both of those guys have really been dialing in the irons lately, and they just get the ball in play off the tee. They don't necessarily hit it a million miles, but they're gonna be in play, and the irons have been improving for both of those guys, and they're both very low owned. And Putnam is a really good Bermuda putter as well. So it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be a sneaky play for me this week. Yeah, I, 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 I've been on Andrew Putnam a couple of weeks this year. Uh, his ball striking numbers are really good, and he's a great iron player. Uh, so, yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, oh, yeah. And he's 13th in bogey avoidance as well, and he's 33rd in par five scoring. For someone in the 6K range, I, I love that. You know, those are two very important stats for guys I'm picking this week. Right. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, so we always end the show every week where we uh, we pick a couple of guys. One is called the dart throw. That's one that we're going – it's a kind of a long shot, you know, uh, play. And uh, the second is what we call the heart play. That's who we really think is going to win. That's whenever you wake up and you got $3 to your name and you're going to put it down, it's like a guaranteed lock. Who do you think is going to win? So uh, – we call it the dart and the heart play of the week. And so, Byron, I'll say right now, what's your what's your dart play of the week, buddy? It's Patton Kazaya. Uh, I mentioned him already. Patton Kazaya, just love everything about his game. He's peaking right now. I think, you know, he's going to go to – all he needs is confidence. Putters just need confidence, you know. Like, they, he's been striking the ball well. He needs his putter to join the party again, um, you know, after – after hitting a shank on 16 and still finishing T 22nd or 17, sorry. I mean, that's, that's great. That's great comeback material. You know, the guy's got it upstairs. He figured it out. So I think I love Pat because I has my dot. I like, I like, I like uh, the conviction at least. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, I'm going to say uh, just a little dart throw. I'm uh, I mean, nobody's going to be talking about him. So that's why, and then he's, a, he's a little bit more of a value play. But Lanto Griffin, man, Bogey Vorens is really good. Hits the driver well, hits his irons well. Uh, but nobody's talking about him. So I'm going to throw Lanto Griffin out there at 7,400 on DraftKings. Um, so where's your heart at this week? If the Valspar champion, who's going to win? It's Colin Morikawa. It's just, I'm, I'm so convinced. I'm so convinced. You know, I, if the weather wasn't a problem last week, it was him to win the, the, the players. He's just, like we said, not a not a very good player in the wind and weather when the elements get rough, but 
this golf course is perfectly set up for him. I think he's going to, if he's putter putts like he's been putting lately, man, he's going to be a problem, an absolute problem. Colin Montgomery. So your redemption week for Colin Montgomery, huh? Colin Morikawa, baby. I mean, I, I think that's the second, you know what? That's the second <laughs> week in a row I've called him Colin Montgomery. You know um, what? I think, but they both have won the Open anyway. So, you know, they, I can understand how. Yeah, that's hilarious. Second week in a row I've done that. We all know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, uh, I think Terrell. I think uh, Terrell Hatton gets it done finally this week. Uh, you know, like you say, he's been playing well. Hits his long arms great. He chips and putts great. Uh, he hits it very straight. The distance is the only thing that really gets him uh, as far as against the field. I I like Terrell Hatton this week, and I cannot believe, like you said, I he's come up short so many times whenever he looks like he's an obvious play. But let me go ahead and tell you, folks, get your Terrell Hatton plays out of the way because when he gets to Augusta, you won't know part of him. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that's mine too uh, there. But, uh, Brian, uh, Byron, man, thanks for coming on this week. Great to get to know you and chat a little bit before about, about college golf and whatnot. Uh, and uh, look forward to talking to you again uh, on the pod soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. A blast. Um, it's Colin Morikawa week all day, and I can't wait for him to to crush it. So. Yeah. Nice shirt, by the way, on the Colin Smith uh, or the Cam Cameron Smith uh, takedown this week at TPC. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Andrew Powers. This is Byron, the model maniac. You have listened to the Turn Fancy Y'all podcast brought to you by Rotoballer.com. It's going to drive.